Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. This week, I have a very special guest, Dr. David Miles. Uh, David has extensive experience in organizational consulting. He has a PhD in organizational leadership. This week is the second part of a two-part podcast series where David shares his wisdom about what it takes to motivate behavior by looking a little bit more into in-depth testing. If you missed last week, try to listen. However, it's not necessary uh, if you missed part one. But what I would suggest is tune in because even if you just get part two, uh, this is information you don't want to miss. I think of like us in the last 18 months or so, really any mission, vision and value had to be, you know, you, you had, your finger had to be on the pulse day by day, week by week about what was happening, you know, like, you know, for instance, I was talking to a lot of CEOs in IT and when the pandemic, you know, was like, you know, was heightened there, they had people, uh, you know, continuing to work at the level they did because of their culture, mm-hmm. not saying, uh, I've got my mother and father that are both have COVID and I have nowhere to go. So they keep, you know, kind of working and then in turn they're burning out or people are dying around them. But culturally, they always follow through with expectations. So, you know, the CEO on that, le- on that level has to know, you know, what every line and every multinational location or international location is happening because it's not on a static kind of vision or mission anymore. Right. It was really difficult. And I think at those upper levels, especially the bigger the organization gets, the more you have to be very, very deliberate about being able to have channels of communication that kind of go around the traditional uh, org chart. Because I think if you're not getting what the real story is from the mid-level and from the ground, and you're just getting what's filtered up, um, I mean, middle management's a hard place to be. I mean, it, you're catching Absolutely. up from both ends. So I am not trying to, don't get me wrong with what I'm getting ready to say, but I do have a joke about middle management being as the most efficient filtration system in the world. Like reverse osmosis and desalinization has nothing on middle management, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do if the people underneath you are unhappy? You're going to, hey, boss, all my people like hate this place and aren't happy. They're going to leave. You're yeah. going to go, really going to go tell them, unless you've really, truly built that relationship. Of course. And it's a safe psychological space. And they're like, no, I, I want the truth. Cause a lot of times just shoot the messenger. And of course you're going to, you know, it's just going to get happier and happier as it goes on. And if you're the CEO or you're one of the VPs and by the time it gets to you, it's really good. It's the news is fine. They're so thin up there. They're nothing, everything they're, they're like, Ooh, everything's good. Cause everybody's generally afraid organization. When you talk about psychological safety, that they're afraid to go up to, you know, the ones that are around the CEO a lot of times, 
they're telling him or her if they're not feeling psychologically safe what they want to hear, which right. is oftentimes a disconnect from, like you said, the frontline and the middle managers, right? And then people wonder, why, are, why is my short term going through the roof? Why is my long term going through the roof? My incidental absences, my arbitrations, but everybody's happy, happy, happy. If my employee engagement is is in the toilet and, well, my employee engagement is down, well, maybe I need to get a new consultant. I don't like the questions they're asking. Mm -hmm. We'll get a new consultant in to ask different questions on the employee engagement survey, and that'll help. And if they if they still come back bad, then we'll fire him or her. We'll get another assessment company, and we'll do another set of organizational assessments. You know, and uh, so this uh, this plays this plays in really well with the uh, conversation we started to have earlier. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit because I know um, you know we talked a lot about assessments. So. Overall, as a leadership team or the leader or the CEO, you need to know what's going on within your organization. And like we were talking a little bit about the difference between the in-person, the asynchronous, the, um, you know, that, you know, Monday and Friday, people are not going to see the Tuesday, Thursday people. There's a lot of moving parts that's going to happen as we reintegrate and go back to work. From an assessment perspective, what kind of things should companies and cultures be thinking about in reference to people going back to work and kind of trying to thinking thinking about the functionality of their teams. When the pandemic first started, um, to your point, one, you were used to working with people in person. So you had built those relationships, good, bad, or indifferent. You knew how people were because you'd been around them at work in the conference room in the water cooler. So you kind of knew what to expect when you jumped on Zoom or you jumped on a phone call. The problem is a lot of folks have left. A lot of folks have came. A lot of there's a lot of you know the just turnover in general. And at the initial part of the pandemic, like there were no boundaries. People were literally connected until eight or nine o'clock at night, and they just wouldn't stop. There wasn't that definitive. I'm leaving home. I'm leaving work. Getting in my car. Getting in the bus. Getting on the train. Leaving. Having that few minutes of time. And then I get home, and there's that psychologically. There's that difference between I'm turning this off and I'm turning this on. Mm-hmm. there wasn't that they were in that home office and the craziness of home was there 24 seven and the craziness of the office was there 24 seven and people were burning out horribly because of that. Mm-hmm. And so now I think coming back, one of the things is I talked to a team the other day and talked to and some leaders and they were like, look, we, we were doing fine before and we did great throughout, but we've noticed that as we've added new members on our team that weren't with us in person before, it's really it's just awkward. It's different. We're not quite sure how to, I said, you, it's, you can pick that stuff up in person because most of communication styles and behavior styles are truly observable behavior. So either consciously or unconsciously, you can kind of pick up those signs. You can't do that in email necessarily. And it's very difficult to do that a little bit easier on, you know, an hour zoom call where you have a certain agenda and then you have to get off. You don't have a time to sit there and really, socialize over lunch or the water cooler, really learn to know people. So I think uh, however they go about doing it, some, some type of behavioral assessments so they can get an idea of how do my people communicate? What are the ways that they like to be communicated with? Uh, how do they not like to be communicated with? What are some of the things that they bring to the organization, some potential time wasters? What are some things that is important to them? Even from a job fit perspective, if you have somebody going a little bit deeper than just how they communicate, but even from a motivational standpoint or sort of like a driving force type mm-hmm. of standpoint, if you have something that really drives somebody, 
and you put them in a position that is antithetical to one of their primary key motivators that they may not be aware of enough to really articulate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You don't know why they don't know why it's just, you bring somebody new in and they're just not, man, this was going to be our next superstar. They're just not performing. Well, you've created an environment that's completely 180 degrees different than what drives them. So they're really having to push and push the boulder uphill way too much. And there's too much energy expended. It's too much stress. And at that point, they just, they don't do well. So my recommendation would be is find out, especially as you start to bring people in, now is a great time to start looking at how do I, how do my people communicate and how can I best tailor what I do to my direct reports, maybe my subordinate, maybe my peers and my uh, going up, but especially going down. How can I, for my direct reports below, how do, how can I tailor my communication to them in a way that they're going to best be able to get it? process it, uh, put something into place, make it happen. For example, there's some, we were talking beforehand, you in an in-person conference room type of uh, environment, you have people that get together for a meeting and they're very driven and you can say, Hey, Roxanne, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? It put you on the spot and you could come up with an answer just like that. Mm-hmm. And a good answer, you know, just boom, that's just kind of how you wired. And there's some people you might ask, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, hey, Roxanne, what do you think about that? And they're like, don't appreciate being called out. And let's say no is coming, like be prepared to answer questions on X. They need to take a time to process it and think and be thoughtful about what they're going to, I mean, they may take a little time to think about their answer, but when they give you one, it's going to be good. It's going to be a very thoughtful answer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so with that, if you know how, all the people, some people are very analytical. They need the data they need mm-hmm. and they want to put it there. And maybe those types of folks that are reporting back to management need to figure out, Hey, I need to tighten this up a little bit, a couple of bullet points. You make it succinct and they still have the data, the background data here in case they need it. And learning that about each other, it really, especially you with your, if you have six or seven or eight direct reports, it allows you to really customize how you communicate with them. And then almost even better. They know how best to kind of communicate with you. So it doesn't matter if it's email, it doesn't matter if it's Zoom, it doesn't matter if it's in person, it doesn't matter whatever. And you can see your whole team where you have gaps. Uh, and I just look at that as a, just a whole different level of diversity because you're looking at not just immutable characteristics, but how do people think? How do people act? How do people, what drives people? You know, what are, what are these things? Okay, if we're not going, if we don't have a good solid mix of all these in our organization or on our team, how do we make up for those spots where we're weak? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how, do, how are we going to do that? I mean, so the best way to know without having to work with somebody for two, three, five, 10, 15 years to kind of gather that info is kind of shortcutting the system a little bit and actually getting some solid, uh, valid, reliable assessment tools. They can kind of get an idea of where people are at. So then it can start strategically building out their team or their organization or their senior leaders. So they'll have that kind of knowledge and realize, okay, now we have a good solid group of people. And I can't stress the, when it comes to communication, especially in this context, that you talk about the platinum rule over the golden rule. I mean, you always know, hear mm-hmm. about in what multiple different religious contexts, everyone said, I think John Maxwell said, and he did some research, almost every single religion in the world had some kind of, version of the golden rule you know, treating others how you want to be treated 
which was pretty interesting. That one common thread in some way, shape or form through just about every religious context or moral context in the world. But what with the platinum rule, what I talk about is if I'm a very hard charging driving person, I want my three bullet points. Tell me what you're going to tell me. Tell me and then tell me what you told mm -hmm. me to get out. I'm not going to communicate with you the way I want to be communicated because you might not be that type of person. So that more platinum rule is more, well, let me communicate the way you would like to be communicated with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, and where, if I know that about my team, I'm not being an authentic, I'm literally just trying to meet you halfway. I know I need to kind of tailor and structure and it goes into emotional intelligence. And, all right. I'm emotionally intelligent enough to know that I can't just barge into your office, Roxanne, and vomit three bullet points on there and blah, 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 blah and out the door. And you're like, what happened there? What happened? Oh my God. You know what? <laughs> it just does. It, sometimes it doesn't. I, you know, work. and that's such a skill, right? Like, I mean, you and I, with the kind of work we do, we're constantly, you know, kind of addressing and thinking. And I, I'm more, you know, high level. I'll give you the bullets. You know, I, I have the data if you want it. I'm not a microscopic person. So when I work with people that are very microscopic, I take the extra time to pour through everything, to think of the iterate of how my brain does not work. Right. To think because I know I'm going to get tripped up there. So that's been my learning with my personality. So as a leader, if you let's say you're aware, okay, this is the way I am. I'm more direct straight to the point or I'm the type that likes to build up within your team then. Right. Like like you said, it's like a it's like a spinning top. So you have people well-oiled and they're working together and then maybe they know the differences and then you add the variable of a new top that maybe isn't spinning the same way. And then you maybe have somebody leaving at the same time that's been tenured. That's a lot of moving parts. Yes. Yes. So I often say to leaders when I train them, you have to understand your internal world because you're going to be the gauge of this mm -hmm. team mm -hmm. on, a, on a, a macro level. Yes. But individually, yes. you kind of know Okay, Roxanne's new. She's coming in. She's got a lot of expertise, but you know, there's not a lot of males on the team. Maybe the males are a little bit younger. They, you know, they're more thinking at a different space. Or um, you know, she's a high-level thinker. That we've only got one other person like that. It's a lot of things for a leader to keep in mind, so that they can recognize what is it that I have to do to communicate. Not necessarily uh, simpler. But let's just say you've gone through and you've gone through with some training with your entire team. So you you have a static team. I mean, at any snapshot point in time, you, your team is static at you know any particular day of the, the week. Okay, here's what we have today. People are going to leave. People are going to come on board. Mm -hmm. And say you've trained on that. And so everybody has the, you know has some level of self-awareness because they had their own assessment tool. You've got the aggregate data for their whole team and, you, and all the team understand, oh, here's the data on everybody else. So now I know how everybody on my team kind of communicates and what I really need to do to meet them where they're at. And, and so you're in, in a happy place. You're in a good spot with that particular team. The trick is once you've kind of got that going and you're speaking that common language and that's really starting to infiltrate the culture, when somebody leaves, they leave. But when somebody comes in, it's important to try to integrate them into that here. Here's your assessment. Here's a copy of the team report. Here's where you fit into the team as far as, you know, the distribution of all the different behavioral and communication and motivational styles that we have. And then also be able to share that data out with the team that's there and say, okay, we have a new team member. You know, if you're graphing it on a, you know, on a circle or on a plot, here's where they're at in comparison to everybody else. You know, mm -hmm. same type of thing, just abbreviated. You're almost onboarding the people that are, still there 
as much as you are the new person. So that way they understand, hey, Roxanne's new. Hey, this is the way she communicates. This is the way, you know, how she is. Okay, cool. This is how she fits in with the rest of the team from that type of standpoint. And you know, here's some things that are going to be in, here's a little bit about uh, her expertise that I should be aware of. You know, like I said, if you come in with 30 years of uh, uh, CEO managerial experience and maybe you retired from one job and you're coming into a different job at a different level. Well, they know that there's a different level of, you know, oh, wow, that person worked 25 years with, you know, IBM and their senior leadership versus, okay, this person just, you know, just literally came out of school and they're, this is their very first job. I mean, the way they approach kind of from, I don't know, just, you know, from a respect standpoint and just, I mean, you should respect everybody, but I mean, there's a difference between I've come in with 25, 30 years experience and this is mm -hmm. my very first job. And right. so, you know, them getting that understanding, I think, from those assessment tools to be able to quickly onboard somebody, I would say with a leader, it's it's an easier an example, because if I'm bringing in a new senior leader to, to uh, whether it's an executive director for a nonprofit to, to redo the whole team, the senior leadership team, guess what? they can spend six to nine months in that kind of kabuki dance of I'm on my best behavior. You're on your best behavior, you know, and we're, you know, yeah. all of that goodness, you know what I mean? And yes, so, but yes, nine I months do. later, you, you can't do that for so long. And then finally you're like, all right, we're just going to get real. This is, and then about 10 months later, what are you like? This is how we are. And then right, you can right, actually right. get to work and you start getting stuff done. But if you mm -hmm. can cut that down when you bring in a new leader, bring in a new executive director, bring in a new CEO, and they get to know their whole senior leadership team, right off the bat. So they get to know what they're working with and the people that are there get to know the new, the new leader coming in in that workshop kind of together and to really integrate that into their culture. Now, all of a sudden, like, okay, we can get real like today. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> like, yeah. I've been here less than 30 days. We've got this knocked out. We can get to work. I don't have to wait, you know, through this nine month kabuki dance to uh, get through to the end of this for mm -hmm. us to start being real with each other. We can hit the ground running today. So I think particularly when bringing in new leadership, it's crucially important to make those understandings and to understand where everybody fits in with the team mm -hmm. and, a lot of it goes to, honestly, not just, I know how you communicate, but it's on, I'm appreciating the differences of others, not just tolerating the differences of others. I'm, it's, it's taking away that assumption of malintent. Well, what do you mean by that? Right. right. Who do they think they are? Instead of, oh, okay, well, I know Roxanne is very, you know, high driven. She just comes in, she gives it bullet points to go. Okay. That's just how she, you know, I'm now assuming good intent because I know that's just, kind of your behavioral and personal and, and, and motivation style, your communication style, your behavioral style. It's different now. I'm, I know where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not assuming malintent from the beginning. And then you know how that stuff just harbors. And oh, no, and it does, right? And it's, it's sometimes it's quite innocent. Yes. So, uh, you know, the, the one thing I want to, and I know we, we need to wrap up, but the one thing I want to talk a little bit about is, is with what, like we said, people reintegrating going back to work, the level of stress people are bringing in, having some knowledge of that. And, uh, you know, what I call their stress signature is kind of important. Yes. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I may be 
direct or I mean I, I'm probably I'm more abrupt if, I, if I'm stressed because I got stuff to do <laughs> you know I'm just and then I have to stop and go okay Roxanne you're you're, you're tired or you've been you know been, been too many balls and okay that's generally what my go-to might be because I'm, I'm clocking at that point which is somebody else that needs a connection to understand you know what's going on they're thinking how rude right potentially right. so understanding would you say that is you know with assessments too is it fair within the communication style, is there um, some sense of how the person takes care of their stress that could help them? Yes, and there's also something we really get deep in the weeds when we're doing this as a workshop for the leaders specifically. But a lot of these assessments will have how Roxanne or how Dave will you know, how they see themselves, but how they, how you might see them, how other people may see them from a behavior standpoint mm-hmm. under moderate levels of stress, fatigue, or burnout, right. or right. under extreme levels of stress, fatigue, or burnout. And so most of the time when people see those aberrant behaviors, they play whack-a-mole and they go for the behavior mm-hmm. and they go to, which, I mean, it makes sense from one point. You're like, okay, well, if they're exhibiting poor behavior, let's address the poor behavior. But if you know that they're, that's how that particular communication style comes across when they're under that level of stress, depending on the types of behavior, you can go right to the source and, uh, hey, Roxanne, let's sit down. How's right. everything going to the house? How's everything going to work? Is there anything I can do to take, you know, eliminate some barriers here at work? What? And you, you just try to, without, you know, HIPAA violations and without getting all into, you know, too much privacy, you're kind of like, what can I do to help? I understand, you know, I'm getting the impression that you're under either you're fatigued, you're stressed, something going on, could be home, could be work or whatever, because I'm seeing these behaviors. And of course, I've got the cheat sheet here, you know, saying these behaviors kind of go with that. Right. So where can I help from an authentic standpoint? What can I do to help mm-hmm. and where can, or where can the organization help? Uh, whether that's just, you know, taking a couple of projects off whether that's you know, maybe an EAP referral, whether that is you know, some kind of support from, okay, well, fine. Uh, I'll let you have a little bit more flexibility of schedule because now you've got a stay-at-home you know, sick parent or sick kid that you're having to deal with long-term caregiving type of thing that nobody else knew about, but it's causing you a tremendous amount of stress. What can we do to help that? Do you need to come in a little bit later and maybe a couple of days a week you can stay later to make up those hours? You know What, what can we do to help because and I think that really helps from a stress standpoint without without doing some kind of team or organizational assessment that's specific to where are the stress points in your organization mm-hmm. specifically per, per, person to person I think that's really important to kind of get an idea of how different communication styles behavioral styles show up under these types of levels of stress so you can address the root cause and not just like I said whack-a-mole the behavior Right. And I think that's really vital, not just for the, the team members, but also for the leader to know that self-awareness exactly. within themselves. Like, how do I manage stress? Um, you know, how is it I like work-life balance? Like you said, you know, when I was in corporate, you know, and I, you know, you were leaving too early. It was like, where are you going? And now everybody's home. Uh, you know, I remember when they used to have the Blackberries when I was in corporate and they were like, you can send an email, but it will not be delivered past six o'clock and it will be delivered by 6 a.m. Now that's completely like, you know, archaic because <laughs> now it's like, you know, everybody's got one of these smartphones and everybody's walking around with it, starting this, starting meetings at different times. So there's lots of such change 
So we have to really work microscopically, I would say, to know ourselves and then in turn to know others so that we can work together. And I'm sure there's going to be times it's going to be done poorly, but from it as well, too. A great point about the Blackberries is because there are some organizations that are very specific to creating that same environment in a policy standpoint. Mm -hmm. Look, we want you to go home and connect with your family mm -hmm. as 6 p.m., 7 p.m., 8 p.m., whatever. Stop. You yeah. Know, if you if you have to send something, unless it's this level of emergency type of thing, right. don't call, don't text, don't email, put it away, leave mm -hmm. it, it'll be there tomorrow. You know what I mean? We don't answer even. So, so there's some places that have kind of created that as a culture to, mm -hmm. and that's a great thing versus when the pandemic first started. Like I said, it never stopped. It was probably I mean, like the no wild, problem. wild west. Everybody's trying to like, you know, everybody's at home and everybody's just trying to get set up and everybody's trying to make sure that, okay, you know, what's really going on. And I, I'm sure there were a lot, there was a lot of people burning out at the beginning until they kind of figured that out. Exactly. Okay, Some this people is, just had to say it's enough. I, it's, it's seven o'clock. It's six o'clock. It's eight o'clock. I, I, I can't, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I two months of this. I gotta, I gotta stop or I'm not going to be able to continue. So there's going to be obviously a lot of work for people like you and I um, with people going back just because, you know, to, to understand or um, the extent of potentially what we might be dealing with, you know, if, if it's pretty fluid, it'll be, you know, three to six months and then people will find their timing again. And I'm sure there'll be other stressors that come about. So for anybody that are wanting to know more about, um, you know, these assessments or working with you and your team, um, or I know you also speak, where, where could people reach out and get a hold of you? I think the easiest place for people to reach out is on my website. It's uh, drdavemiles.com, which is D-R-D-A-V-E-M-I-L-E-S.com. Um, also, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So, I mean, they can always look me up on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to connect with them there. Um, so that would be probably the two places that I would uh, recommend them going to. And uh, I think we had spoken about it before, but I know on my website, um, I've got a reboarding in the workplace type of, uh, download that people can grab. And it gives a few points on, as they call it, the three R's of reboarding. It you know really talks about you know reconsidering your culture, reconnecting to your organization and re-engaging your team. It's just some points on how to go about doing that and some just some things to think about, some interesting stats and some thoughts on how to go about making sure that if you get, this is your chance for a fresh start, there's some things that you couldn't do before because it was way too disruptive. Well, now mm -hmm. if you have that opportunity to do that, you know, it's the best time to um, uh, come out better on this end. You take the things that you learned over the last 15, 16, 18 months you know, and take those best practices with what was so good about your organization before you started and mm -hmm. put that together to try to like to make uh, and create a much better workplace that works well for people that they want to come to work. And like I said, deal with, uh, hopefully with a higher level of engagement, mm -hmm. higher level, you know, especially what you don't want is to, uh, everybody was comfortable. And as you start coming out in Canada, what you don't want to do is, okay, well, I've got a routine. It's not pretty, but I'm working from home, <laughs> right. but, but it works, right? Okay, I've got this down. We're, we're functioning. We're making this work. And then to, everybody comes back together. Now, all of a sudden, you know, I want to try to force the square peg down back into the round hole, of the pre-COVID round hole and say, hey, we're going to do everything exact. And it's like, well, wait a minute. We, we've kind of developed a routine and habits over the last 18 months, and it's going to take a bit 
to steer that ship back. And maybe that's really not where you want to go. Because how many people have been talking for years in the human resource end of it, in the mm -hmm. management end of it, about work-life balance and mm -hmm. working from home options and more flexible options? Well, it's, this was a micromanager's nightmare this last 18 months. And, 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 it's, and it's done. It's done. It's done. And, you know, and work's getting done and business is getting done, yes. all those things. So although, I mean, when I was in corporate as well, I had a, a one-year-old at that time. And it was like, nightmarish to try to with schedules and all of those and now i'm like you know i'm seeing people i remember when i went virtual which was he was four and i was like it was a gift at that time he's 20 now and it was like now we're talking the things that i wanted when i have had a young child it just is coming naturally tell so i could still be stay an executive and raise a young child which was kind of unheard of at that point and not have the you still have the crazy hours, but at least you had them at home um, to be able to, you know, be able to try to balance that as much as possible. So I think, you know, out of that, out of a lot of adversity, something really positive has come. And then we just have to figure out how do we calibrate things to continue and to take all the positives that have come from it and not say, like you said, go back to the status quo, because, um, you know, we don't want to go backwards in that. And, and also, and it allows a lot of moms and dads now to have that time with their children, which maybe before they, they, you know, they were missing, missing it because of their schedules and stuff like that. So a lot of things that people have been asking for, for a long time. Yeah. I think really communication and connection with their people is going to be most important. And the connection doesn't necessarily have to be in person, but I think it, you know, it's, it may have to go beyond just your direct reports. And I definitely think it's a, a vital thing for, the higher up you are in the organization to be very deliberate and very intentional about getting that information from other levels other than just the direct reporting that's coming up to you. Because uh, the more you can kind of, like you said, have your pulse on the uh, your finger on the pulse of the organization, the mm -hmm. more connected you're going to be with it. And I think the more successful you and the organization is going to be in the long run. For sure. David, it's always, always a pleasure. Um, so for everyone listening, please reach out. What I will, I'll get is I'll get the direct link for the article from David and it'll be going in the show notes. So yeah, that way you don't have to go looking, um, you know, and you can just click that and get back to his website as well. Uh, so again, what am I taking away? I'm taking away that we need to, um, you know, take the growth that we have experienced. Don't take it for granted. Try not to go back to the old way um, and recognize that everyone is bringing back a certain level of stress with them, but Everyone wants to reintegrate and communicate and connect in a on a certain level. So try to figure it out as a leader, but also as the employee uh, going back in, think about what your needs are. And if they, if they are off the mark and your organization's trying to figure it out, the more you're able to articulate what that is, if it's not happening, you know, you become part of the change that allows that possibility for the organization to listen to what is needed for you even though you're one person, then you may be speaking for a lot of people that may not have it in them to speak up. So again, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.